going to go into the Old Testament today to the book of Judges and the story of a man named Gideon. The story of Gideon starts around Judges chapter 6, and it begins to outline how God uses him in mighty ways to defeat the Midianites who were an enemy of Israel. We're going to focus today in chapter 8, and I'm just going to give you the short version of the story. Gideon had went into battle against the Midianites with an army of only 300 men. That story is, is a very familiar one to most of us. And in chapter 8, we find the, the aftermath of that battle, how he's, he's cleaning up everything. He captures the kings. He gets rid of them. And then in verse 22, the children of Israel come to Gideon, and they want him to become their king. And he refuses But he says, the Lord will rule over you. And so on the high of this victory, he tells Israel to bring the spoils of gold that they took from the Midianites to bring them to him. And in verse 25, they said yes, and they spread out a garment and every one of them threw an earring there from his spoils. So from the things that they took from the enemy after the enemy was conquered, they brought to Gideon and Gideon took the gold that that was given, and he made an ephod. And the ephod is a, a priestly garment. It's something sacred, something special. Gideon made that, and with the victory, if you will, with the evidence of victory, he made something special. He made an ephod, which is a priestly garment. And it was like he set that victory on display And that in itself, you might be thinking, well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually a cool idea when we overcome something to to keep a reminder of it and to set up a reminder of that victory. But where the problem comes in and where we have to be careful is in verse 27. It says, when he made the ephod, he set it in his city and all Israel worshipped it there as an idol. And it became a trap for Gideon and his household. Another version says it that Israel played the harlot. They forsook God to worship the representation of victory. They were on such a high from the victory that had just been given to them by God over their enemies that they forsook God. They left him to worship the representation of victory. They played the harlot. And when I heard this story again, I just got to thinking, it it, it convicted me of how many times do we play the harlot with the blessings of God. When God gives us something, whether it's a, a victory or provision or just something we didn't ask for even, how many times do we leave him because we get so caught up on the blessing that we just leave him? And we cheat on God with the blessings that he provides. We glorify the gift instead of magnifying the person it came from. James 1.17 reminds us that every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Everything good that we experience comes from God. Every victory that we have in our lives is because God gives it to us but how many times do we play the harlot with that victory we get so 
caught up on the victory, so caught up on that high that we start chasing that. We start worshiping that. We start honoring that. We start testifying about that instead about God. We start chasing the benefits and the signs of his goodness instead of actually pursuing God himself. We get our priorities mixed up. And what was supposed to be a reminder of who God is and what a blessing he has given us and what a victory he has attained for us, we just forget about God and worship the representation and worship the victory. And so many times I think we're even guilty of making that victory like it was something we came up with on our own. Like it was something we did to get victory in that situation. Like it was something that we decided or changed or manipulated and it all worked out for us. And we just throw God out, even though he is the source of all blessings. He is the source of all good things. Worship is supposed to be a sacrifice of praise to God. This is not about the victory that we have. This is not about the blessings that we get, but we are supposed to worship as a sacrifice. In Hebrews 13, 15, it says, Through him then, let's continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips praising his name. Why is it supposed to be a sacrifice? Why is it us giving something up instead of worshiping the blessing that we can get? Why is it a sacrifice? Because there are some days the victories aren't obvious. And there are some seasons, like this season of, of Thanksgiving, there are some seasons that our list seems to be shorter because maybe we don't have what we had last year. Maybe we don't have who we had last year. And if we're focused on the blessings and the gifts and the victories, then worship isn't a sacrifice because we're worshiping in direct proportion of the value we place on the blessings. So it's not a sacrifice. Our worship goes up and down based on the value that we've placed on the blessings that we currently have. It becomes an idol when we look at the blessings as more valuable and as more important than the one who gives them. Blessings are enjoyable. We all like good things. We all like it when God shows up and does things the way that we understand and the way that we enjoy. But they are not to be our focus. What Israel missed in the story in Judges 8 was that that victory came because of God. They brought their gold and gave it to Gideon. But then when the representation was there, when the reminder of who God was and how he gave them the victory appeared, they turned their attention to that instead of God. Like I said, it says in the King James Version that Israel played the harlot. They cheated on God with the blessing that he had given them. Can you imagine in that moment how God must feel when he looks at us and he's given us something that we've prayed for or he's given us a spiritual victory in our lives and we get so focused on that victory, so focused on explaining that victory and testifying about that victory and rejoicing in that victory that we don't even mention him? Can you imagine how much that must hurt our Father in heaven who gives us all good things and he gives us good things to reinforce who he is, to show his nature, to show his kindness and his goodness to his people. But in that moment, as we've gotten the gift, after we've gotten the victory, because you see, before the victory, it's easy to focus on him because we know that's where the victory comes from. 
So we pray a lot and we seek him and we read and we show up at church. But as soon as we have the victory, then we'd rather focus on that and live in the victory than we would continuing to live in seeking God. Why is it that as soon as we have the victory, we just forget where that victory came from? And we cheat on God. We cheat on the Savior of our souls because we like the blessing more than we like the Savior. There's a song by Jimmy Needham that just came to mind that is called Clear the Stage. And I highly recommend you to go and listen to it and let it wreck you. But it talks about clearing the stage and letting anything that comes before God be recognized as an idol. And I know that we've often heard it said and maybe even say it ourselves that things of like social media, time with friends, time on our phone, things like that are easily put before God and time in his word and in prayer. But I would challenge you to look at even the blessings that you've been given, the answers to prayer, the victories that he has provided and make sure that they are not taking the place of God, that you're not worshiping the victory. Sometimes in the church world, I think we get so focused on worshiping the victory that we forget to preach the gospel. We forget to preach salvation only comes through Jesus. True victory only comes through Jesus because we're so focused on the victory itself the representation of victory, the representation of the goodness of God, that we completely dismiss God. And we're no longer talking about how God is good and how his holiness and his righteousness and his mercy and his grace are what we need and what we survive on. We're just talking about how we made it because we shouted or because we danced or because we prayed. And we get so confused about where the victory comes from. So whatever season you're in, if you're waiting on a victory, I challenge you to pray and ask God, when the victory comes, don't let me lose sight of you. Don't let me get so caught up in enjoying the victory that I set it up as a shrine and I set it up as an idol and I pay more attention to it and I'm more thankful to the victory than I am to the one who was with me before the victory came. See, that's the thing. Victories come and go, mountains come and go, valleys come and go, but there is a God who walks with us in each moment, before the victory and after. Going back to Judges 8, it says that when Gideon set up that ephod and Israel played the harlot, that it then became a trap to Gideon and his household. What was the representation of victory became a sign of bondage. It became something it was never meant to be because the focus shifted from God to the victory itself. And the victory became a stumbling block. It became an idol to turn focus away from God. I want to challenge you, whatever season you're in, remember to bless the Lord. As it says in Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits, but it is the Lord who deserves the worship. Mm-hmm.